0: Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to open up a prayer and we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity to come before your people. I never take that lightly. And Holy Spirit, sir, you give me this message tonight, and it is a timely message. I ask you now to help me to remember everything that you wanted me to say, to say it the way you wanted me to say it, to bless the ears of the hearers that they could receive it and that we could all go out of here better better prepared for this day that we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so how many of y'all have ever been invited to some event... And you show up at that event and you find out you're not dressed for said event. Has that ever happened? It's happened to all of us, isn't it? Only once. Yeah, only once. <laughs> you show up and you go, wow, I wasn't prepared for this. And then what happens? It's just like Bob said, it's kind of embarrassing. It kind of affects your, uh, your self-confidence, doesn't it? Now, how does that happen? Go something like this. Let's say... One day, Zach is at work and Bob, one of his coworkers, comes up to him and he says, hey, Zach, listen, we're gonna have a party uh, at such and such, at such and such a time. it will be great if you come. Um, here's an invitation and you know, just come and so-and-so's gonna be there and I'd like you to make a connection with them maybe and uh, Mr. Muckety-Muck and Big Wig, who could really benefit your department. It'd be great if you had a chance to sit down and talk with them. And Zach says, okay, great, when is that? Saturday, okay, great, I'll, I'll, I'll make a point of being there. So he goes home and you know, Amber's there and Amber's busy, she's got the babies and she's cooking the dinner and the little one's needing feeding. And, and Zach comes in and says, hey, Amber, here you go. And she says, what's this? And he says, well, this is an invitation to a party that Bob is throwing. Saturday at such and such a place at such and such a time. And she says, okay, great. Now the baby's crying and the dinner's burning and she sticks that envelope up on the fridge and she hasn't opened it. But she goes ahead and marks that Saturday on the calendar because she knows she needs to get a babysitter, right? And so she thinks, I'll open that and look at it later. I'll look at that invitation later. But she doesn't have time right now. And as is often the case, the week goes on and we're busy and we're doing things and they're going to work and they're taking kids to school and they're going to school and they're doing their thing. And guess what happens? Saturday gets here. And that comes in and says, Amber, don't forget, we got to be at that event at 7 o'clock tonight. And she starts rushing around, like, oh no, I forgot. I got to get the kids ready. We got to get to my mother's house, drop the kids off. What are you wearing, Zach? And Zach says, well, you know, just dress probably like you would to go to work or, or to church. I'm just going to wear a pair of slacks, a pullover, you know, a pullover polo. And Amber thinks, okay, well, I'll get out my dressy jeans. I'll wear my cute little flats. And I don't have time to do a lot with my hair, so I'm going to pull it up in a ponytail throw on a little bit of mascara and we're out the door. And we show up at Bob's house and Bob opens up the door and Bob is wearing a tuxedo. And his wife comes along and joins him and she's wearing this beautiful, you know, formal gown and she's decked out, her hair's up, she's got her makeup, she's got her makeup on. She's I mean, she's wearing her diamonds. She's looking good. And Zach says, oh, wow, you didn't tell me that it was going to be a formal dress. And Bob says, oh, I'm sorry, but it was in the invitation. And Zach's like, oh, you know, I must have missed that. Because he's certainly not going to tell his boss he never bothered to open the invitation, that he got busy and he didn't open the invitation. Right? Right. And so Bob says, well, never mind, come on in, Zach, you know, you're here, come on in. Now, Zach's not looking bad, he's got on his church clothes, but he ain't looking like them. He's got on his comfortable clothes. See, he dressed thinking I'm going to be there until 10 o'clock at night, and I'll put my church clothes on, but I want to be comfortable, So he put on his comfortable shoes and Amber put on her comfortable shoes. But now they're in the midst of this group. And every eye, whether it's true or not, they feel like when they get inside amongst all these people wearing tuxedos and ball gowns, they go inside and they're like, everybody's looking at us. Okay? And the first thing that happens is they start feeling just a little bit less confident. Mm -hmm. Now... Mr. Big and Mr. Muckety Muck is over there and Zach was supposed to go and meet with them but he's not wanting to do it when he's not dressed correctly. He doesn't feel like he's dressed for the occasion. So now he's trying to figure out a way that he could meet them some other time. And he tries to mingle and he talks with people but you know whether it's true or not Amber's over there thinking all these women think that I don't know how to dress for some sort of occasion. The party is supposed to go on until 10, but because they feel awkward, about nine o'clock they're looking for the excuse, you know, to get out of there. Um, you know, we got kids and I own, my mom, the little one's gotta be fed, and so we're really just gonna cut on out of here early. Y'all know how the scenario goes, right? We've all done that. Now, It is no mystery to anybody living right now that we are living in chaotic times. Have y'all noticed this? You couldn't have not noticed it. I mean, we've got Ukraine, we've got Russia, we got China, we got COVID, we have vaccine vaccine mandates, inflation, job loss, economical instability, open borders, rising crime rates, and let's don't forget Biden administration. It's no secret that you and I are in a war between good and evil. It's no secret, right? And it is also no mistake that you are here for this day and time. Amen. As a matter of fact, you were born for such a time as this. Okay? So here it is. In other words, welcome to perilous times. Please observe the dress code. Because if you show up to this event under dress, not only will you stick out like a sore thumb, but you're going to have a big target on your head that makes you look like the devil's lunch. Yeah, that's true. Amen? Okay, so let's look at it. 1 Peter 5 8 through 9. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay? So now we understand clearly that we have been invited to a battle and we must get dressed for the occasion. Right, Every soldier has a uniform and has weapons, that's true. and so do we. Amen. So do we. So now that's where we're going to camp out tonight. I want everybody to turn to Ephesians 6, and I'm going to have her put other scriptures up on the screen, but to save you from flipping back in two, you can just stay here because the whole thing is going to be centered around Ephesians 10 through 18. Okay, So I want to start here in verse 10, and we're going to talk about each of these verses. Now, I don't know about you. I've heard some teaching on this, but it always went something along the line of the Roman soldiers wore this and they wore that. And at the end of it, while I had some sort of education about the Roman soldiers, I really didn't know exactly how that benefited me. (laughs) And so tonight, I'm endeavoring to bring this down to a more practical level right where we live. Okay, so that we understand what it is we're talking about here. So in verse 10, the first thing it says there is be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Amen? So let's look at Zechariah 416. We'll just have her put that up on the screen if she will. It says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by night, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Christians all over the place are growing weary. Yeah. And the battle's been long. There's no denying it. We've, some of us have faced sickness. You've faced job loss. All kinds of things have happened. Okay? But he said that you're to do this in his in, history in his strength and in his power. Let's look at Galatians 6, 9 real quick. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Amen. See, sometimes we're growing weary because we're not in shape. That's true. We haven't trained for the battle. And then the second thing that happens is we're not prepared. And so we're running around like chickens with our head cut off when, the, when, the, when, when things are breaking loose. We are, we're not prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. We haven't prepared. And then the next thing is that we're not equipped and we are trying to do the job with the wrong tools. You, The church is a restraining order against the enemy.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Amen. He is the restraining order. The church. But if we give up and lay down, then the the enemy has free reign. The Lord told us to fight the good fight of faith. Why is it good? Why does he call it good? Well, you win. Amen. You win. Do you remember the children of, uh, uh, of Israel when they were in Egypt and they had to go into the promised land? They were in the desert and they were going to the promised land. The Lord said he gave it to them. But then he said, "Go and take it."
1: That's true.
0: Go and take it. Amen. And so, even though the promised land had been given to them, they still had to engage in the fight and go take it. Yes. Now, everybody's speculating: Is this the end? Are we ready for the rapture? I'll tell you the truth: I don't know, but I do feel like, whenever the rapture is, a few years, a few more years down the road, the church is going to have one more glorious. Outpouring. I believe that there's still going to be a great and glorious turnaround for the church. How long that'll last? I don't know. But it's crucial that we stay in the fight. We cannot grow weary and sit down now. Okay? We can't do that because then we we, we default to the enemy. Let's look at you have... The power. I just want to say that. You have the power. God has given it to you. As a matter of fact, he has given us all authority in this earth. Let's look at Luke 10, Luke 10 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Nothing. 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 Let's look at Matthew sixteen eighteen. It says, I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, what he's talking about here is he didn't build the church on Peter. He built the church on the revelation that Peter had of who Jesus was. Okay, And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So as long as the church is engaging, we win. And there are a lot of Christians still on this earth. But we're mid-battle. We can't quit. See, the enemy uses that tactic. He just keeps dragging a thing out. And he pulls on one more thing and one more thing. Hoping that you'll just sit down and quit. Because see, he knows he can't defeat you. Unless you give it to him. Unless you give it to him. Right? All right. So now let's look at verse 11. It says, Standing against the wiles. Of the devil. Ephesians 6. Yes, Ephesians chapter Ephesians 6. Verse 11. It's a standing against the wiles of the devil. Now, I look that word up. I'm like, wiles. We kind of know what it means, but it helps you sometimes to look something up and see what it really means. Wiles means this. Devious or cunning strategies employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. Ooh, does that, sound like, does that sound like anything we've seen lately? Yes. What about COVID and what about vaccines and the fear-mongering and, and all the stuff, right? We're seeing the devil pull out the big guns, his wiles. But listen, he's only got wiles. Let's look at Matthew 24, 4 through 6. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Sounds like what's going on right now. See, here it is, see that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But listen, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. Okay, put that in your mind. It's all got to come to pass. And if you go on to read, tonight, I don't have time for that tonight because I'll get off track. But there are some other things that still have to happen, okay? And so let's look at Luke 21, 26. It says, men's hearts will be failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He's talking about in the last days. He's talking about that the way the enemy is going to gain strength and the way he is going to gain ascendancy is first he's going to, he's going to use deception. He's going to get everybody in great fear. And you say, how could that happen? Well, just look around at what happened with the pandemic. We saw like never before exactly how this could happen. And listen, I, I got to tell you the truth. There are rumors out there already that there's some other thing coming and that it's even worse. But church, you're protected. You're protected. You cannot allow the enemy to use fear to deceive you. See, he wants you to believe that he's got the power and you don't. In this last pandemic, so many people, see, they, had, they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared. And so when the fear came, they caved to the fear. They had not prepared their heart. And I'm going to talk about, we haven't got into it yet, but I'm, I'm going to talk about how do we prepare our heart, okay? The enemy uses fear to deceive. Keep that in mind. He's a deceiver. Now, I want you to go down. We're going to look at the next verse in Ephesians. We're on Ephesians verse 12, 12. yep. Let me just look at it right here. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay? Spiritual warfare cannot be won with natural weapons. But it is so easy for us to get caught up in the natural and start looking at the people whom the spirits are working with, who have yielded themselves to the spirit. And then we start getting into these struggles with the people. But can I tell you something? That's a losing battle. You're trying to use a natural... uh, You you get on Facebook and you tell them all the reasons why they're stupid for believing (laughs) what... believing in the vaccine or the mask or the, or the COVID or whatever it is, okay? And you get on there and you, you go on Facebook and then you go on Twitter and you go on there and you see somebody over here talking about how they believe in Biden and you get involved in that. And the next thing you know, you're so embroiled in arguing with all of these people. See, you're trying to change people. Yeah. That's true. You're not fighting the people. The people have simply yielded to the real problem, which is the spirit behind it. And so what happens is we wear ourselves slap out. See, we've been over here fighting a shadow the whole time. We've been shadow fighting. We're over in the corner in the meantime. And and meanwhile, the devil's over there laughing, going, look at that, look at that. That's funny. That was a good sucker punch right there. And he's thrilled because there's all kinds of strife and where there's strife every evil thing is. See, we get in strife with everybody. We're fighting the wrong war. (laughs) Okay? Now... Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. You cannot use natural weapons. Right, it's true. Men's, it's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. There we go. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But listen, mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What we're fighting against is strongholds, spiritual wickedness, okay? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so the first thing we have to recognize before we get into this is that this is a spiritual war and your your natural things that you are used to using are not going to work. Okay? It's the first thing we got to we got to we got to know. Now let's look at verse 13. It says, "Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand." And I'm just going to read the first part of 14 stand therefore. Stand therefore now this word withstand is interesting it says to remain undamaged by or unaffected by to resist to offer strong resistance or opposition to someone or something and stand simply means do not move yeah do not move yeah. In other words, I've got to get my feet so grounded in who I am and what I have that I cannot be affected or moved by and I can stand my ground. Amen. The ground that the Lord gave me. The ground that belongs to the Christian. Amen? Amen? Okay. It says, we're, I could sum this verse up like this. In other words... We're going to be able to resist the devil and remain undamaged, unaffected, and unmoved by what we see and hear. We are going to need to be dressed for the occasion, and we need to put on the whole armor of God. Yes, right. Amen? Amen. Amen? And then this reminds me of something funny. I'm just going to tell you a little joke right here one day jerry called me and he he was looking at facebook and there was this picture some of y'all may have seen it and you see this scale and some feet standing on the scale and this high number on the scale like you know i don't know 200 or something and it says wow who knew the whole armor of god was so heavy (laughs) well it is heavy but not quite in that way (laughs) Not in that way. It is heavy, but not quite like that. Okay? So, then the question is, is, if I'm to put this whole armor on, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? Well, that's a good question. Let's look at verse 14. It says, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay? Now, gird means to encircle as with a belt or a band, to prepare oneself for something difficult or challenging. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. A belt is worn around your waist. Well, your waist is your stomach, your core, your being. Now, any bodybuilder, I'm sure Zach will tell you this, it's super important that your core is strong because it protects your back. <laughs> well, Isaac will tell you that, <laughs> okay? Somebody. They'll tell you that it's really important. And when you have a strong core, you're, you're less likely to injure other parts of your body, okay? You're less likely to be injured in your, in your back or your, your legs, you know, when you're lifting and stuff. You need a strong core. Everybody, they'll, they'll tell you that. A bodybuilder will tell you that. Also, interestingly enough, doctors will tell you that gut health is super important for your whole body. Your your core is your innermost being. Your innermost being, right? So when something goes into your stomach, it's in your whole system. If your stomach is full of poison, your whole system gets full of poison. But if your stomach is full of good nutrition, your whole body gets good nutrition. Right? Okay, and then the next thing it says, is, not only am I putting on, I'm girding myself with this truth. What is, first of all, let's look at what is truth. What is truth? Now, we live in a society who believes that there is no absolute truth. They'll tell you that. They think it's all relative. But here is the definition of truth. Truth is an absolute standard by which reality or facts are measured God's view of a batter. God's view of a matter. Amen. All right, let's look at John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now let's look at John eight thirty-two. And you shall know. The truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, listen, it's not just the truth that's in the book. I want you to notice something. It's the truth that I know that makes me free. It's not good enough that I just heard somebody else say it, It's it's not automatic. It's the truth that I've made my own. But as church people, quite often what we do is we come in and we've been coming to church for a while and we've heard a sermon a few times and pastor gets up and he says, you know, you got to speak to the mountain. And we say, oh yeah, you know, I know that. I've been hearing that for years. I got to speak to the mountain. And we go home and then, you know, we don't look at that. We don't feel like we need to open it up. Kind of like that invitation because after all, we were told by pastor. What was coming, and so we don't need to open the invitation and look at all the details. We'll just throw that Bible over there. We mean to look at it, but then, of course, we're busy. Okay, and things happen, and we don't have time to look at it, and then the day arrives for the battle. And you aren't dressed correctly, you're not dressed. You're not dressed. Now, this is the most important truth because I want you to understand everything that comes after this is built on this. That's right. Everything that comes after this is built on this core. Okay? And so I could sum this verse up like this. I need to encircle myself with God's absolute standard, which is his word, until it gets into the very core of my being. Amen. And then I will be strong enough to stand against any difficulty or challenge. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. Yes. Now, why is this so important? Well, we've already talked about it. Satan is a liar. As a matter of fact, he's a father of lies. Yes. And listen to me. He doesn't mind at all tricking you with facts. He will use facts to trick you and the problem with that is if you don't know the difference between facts and truth you'll be trickable yes. Amen. see when i know absolute truth facts don't move me i may be seeing some facts that don't line up with absolute truth but i know that facts are subject to change truth, right. truth is not
1: that's exactly right
0: Amen. truth doesn't change and so when the devil comes to me with his deceiving lies and tells me, hey, you're sick. But I know the truth. I know the truth. I'm not sick. Jesus bore that. I'm not sick. When he says, huh, everything's going really badly. You're not going to, where are you going to live? What's going to happen? You're not going to have an income. You won't, then you'll, you'll be forced to take that jab and then that's like the mark of the beast and yada, 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 yada. <laughs> That's how he works. Now, those are facts for some of the people. Those are facts that are happening in the earth. It's not exactly a lie. It's just deceit. deceit, And it's the same thing that he used on Eve. It's nothing new. Okay? When I know absolute truth, I cannot be easily deceived. And now I want you to remember, he called this the belt of truth. A belt, what does a belt do? It holds my shirt down and it holds my pants up. In other words, it covers me. It helps me stay covered. Intact. Amen. intact. Amen, amen. Amen? Amen? So it is super important. Now, I want you to notice that the next thing he talks about, he ties it right into this. Truth leads right into the breastplate of righteousness. Okay? A breastplate protects your heart your vital organs, your lungs, your heart. Okay, let's look at Proverbs 4.23. What's important about that? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Amen. Let's look at Luke 6.45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks his mouth speaks it's in your heart so you've got to not only be building your core while I'm while I'm guarding myself and getting the truth into the very core of me that is filling my heart up with good things but now I got to guard my heart so that the evil is not also coming in and robbing me of the good that I put in there remember that the enemy comes to steal the word he steals the word I got to be careful who, who and what I allow into my heart. Yes. That means I got to be careful what comes into my eye gates, my ear gates. That's
1: true. That's true.
0: And especially in a time like this. And some people sit around watching this stuff all day. Listen, I watch stuff because I want to know, but I don't spend all my time. Listening to the negative news and the horrible things and the pandemic and the blah, 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 and what's coming next. And oh, you know, why? Because I'm allowing that into my heart and it's going to conflict with the good word that I put in there. Amen. Now, a lot of people I know, they think I tell them, oh, I don't, I'm not really a TV watcher. My husband will tell you that. I'm not a TV watcher simply because I can't find anything on there that doesn't fill me with a bunch of garbage. I'm not against TV if they just put something on it worth watching. Seriously, I'm not. (laughs) I do watch videos that I can choose what I'm going to put in and what I'm not. not. And if I turn on a video and they're trashy mouth and telling me a bunch of junk, I click it right off. Bye. Bye. Because I need to protect my heart. Now listen, when I know truth, it leads to righteousness. And I want you to know what righteousness means. Righteous means... The quality of being morally right or justifiable. Good. That's what it means. Good. Why is this important? Well, I'm putting the truth in. I'm guarding myself with the truth. And when I know absolute truth, it leads to me walking morally right. Because now I know absolute truth. I'm not as easily deceived. I know when I see wrong. Because when I let wrong in, what happens is now I've let demons in. When I know what rightness is, I'm quick to understand what's wrong. Right? I'm quick to understand. And so were you. you got to protect your heart. We're in a time where you got to put your breastplate on. It's a choice. Now, these first three, I want you to understand something. It says having. Having. Having gird yourself. Having put on the breastplate. In other words, these are states of being. These are states that you need to be in at all times. Having means I've already done this. I've been doing this. It's a state of being. Your first three are states of being. And the next three are things you take up. So I should be in a state all the time of having myself girded with truth, which means I'm going to be taking my word in all the time. I should always have my breastplate of righteousness on so that I'm guarding my heart. Okay? All right. So when I... And walking in good and bringing forth good when we are walking in good. Now, that doesn't mean that we're justifying ourselves. We all know that we're made righteous by Christ. That is not what we're speaking of here. So let me clarify that, okay? We know that our righteousness comes through Christ. But I'm talking about knowing truth and being able to walk in right ways. When you know truth, it empowers you. It's a seed. It goes in. and you, When you focus on anything and water that seed, you're going to bring forth that fruit more in your life okay um, it's not don't anybody misunderstand what i'm talking about why is this important romans 12 12 do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with what good good see we don't overcome evil by acting just like them i don't overcome the slanderers and the and the trashy mouth people and the haters and the you know, what they call the Karens and all that. I don't, overcom- I don't overcome them by acting just like them. In the Lindas and whoever, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, you don't overcome them by acting like them, acting evil, you overcome them with good. You overcome them with good. Which leads us right into verse 15. Let's read that. It says, and having shod your feet with the preparation. Mm-hmm. Notice that word. With the preparation of the gospel of peace. Yeah. Okay? That's interesting. I thought, hmm, what does preparation? Well, what, what exactly does it mean by the preparation of the gospel? Preparation means the action or process of making ready or being made ready, listen, for use or consideration. Mm-hmm. Preparation. Being made ready for use. Or consideration. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Let's look at Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. Now let's throw up real quick. Uh, actually let's let's pause there for a minute. When I have the peace of Christ on me that passes all understanding, listen, other people notice that. I mean, it, it puts you in a place. Remember, this is preparation, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, when people see me walking in peace, they see a difference in me. And they start wondering what's going on. How come you're not all stirred up and terrified and crying and carrying on you know and why aren't you on the internet screaming and yelling at everybody with capital letters <laughs> and exclamation points <laughs> okay we nobody talks to anybody anymore we do it all online so and then they start to pay attention to that and they get curious about that and they want what you have mm-hmm. listen they all want peace do you know that They may not be looking for it in the right way. Many of them aren't. But if I look just like them, they're not going to look at what I have to try and figure out what's different. I can't help them if I look just like them. They don't see that I have anything different. Let's look at 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason. Listen, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In other words, when they see me trusting God in my heart, when I've sanctified that, when I'm putting God in my heart and I'm walking in peace, and they say, Well, I don't understand. There's something different about them. They have hope in a hopeless time. And they wanna know. And I need to be prepared. I need to have prepared myself to give them an answer, to give them an answer, okay? Well, you listen, listen. You know what? I'm not going to go there yet. We'll get there in a minute. I'm about to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Let's just hold on. Okay, that's going to lead us right into verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, this is interesting. How many of y'all, okay, now I know everybody in here at some point, you've watched one of those cowboys and Indian movies, whether you wanted to or not, okay? (laughs) Whether some, you know, your husband wanted to watch it, your dad, somebody. And you've seen it, and you know the scene. The cowboys are out there in that desert where there's nothing to hide behind, but they've got their caravans, right? They've got their covered wagons. And they're out there minding their business, and and they're cooking their beans and singing some songs. And all of a sudden, there's a war cry, and the Indians are coming, okay? And so what happens? They all jump up, and they go and get behind their covered wagons or in them, and they grab a gun. Now, the Indians are coming, and they're hiding in their caravans or behind them. I keep calling them caravans. I mean covered wagons. Okay, so they're, they're hiding in their covered wagons. And they're waiting for the Indians to come and they've got guns. Listen, they've got the advantage, they've got guns. The Indians have got dar they've got arrows. Okay, that doesn't seem like a very fair fight. Yeah, our fight's not very fair for the enemy either. But here's what happens. While the while the cowboys there guarding his caravan, which has all of his food and his clothes and his worldly supplies, he's out in the desert. That's how he's going to get out of that desert. So he's, he's protecting that. But then there's always that one smart, aleck Indian who says, you know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to light this arrow on fire. And he lights that arrow on fire and he pulls back the bow and he lobs it over there. And what happens? It hits the cover of the wagon and the thing, it's going up in smoke. Okay. And there's a fire. And now what happens? Well, the cowboy's distracted because his whole life is burning up. His supply is being burnt down. His hiding place is being burnt down. And he's, he's frantically trying to put this fire out. And so are all the other cowboys. And while they're frantically over here putting out their fires, the enemy is steadily advancing. Yeah. Yeah. They're not covering themselves because now they're too busy fighting all the fires, trying to, trying to preserve their life, their livelihood. Yeah. Yes. And in the meantime, the enemy moves in and takes it all and he takes their life he picks off their buddies because they're too busy they're not covering them yeah. Yeah. they're not they're, they're they're so busy sounds a lot like what happens in our lives doesn't it yes, It does. see the enemy works like that he shoots fiery darts he goes okay this one's pretty strong in the lord and they're walking along and you know they've been but i'll tell you what i'll do I'll create so many fires and so many things to distract them. They'll get so busy trying to preserve their bank accounts, their homes, their cars, their, their 401ks, and all the things that I'll attack. And while they're busy doing all of that, I'll move in and I'll pick off their children, their mothers, their fathers, because they're too busy. They're not covering each other's back. And when the time's right, I'll move right in and take their life too, if I can. If I can, see you got to understand. You got to understand what you're fighting against. You got to understand. Now let's look at First John five four. It says, "For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world: our faith. Our faith." So I have to keep my faith up. What do I do when he's shooting the fiery darts and everything's falling apart around me and my job is gone and they're demanding I take the vaccine and and I don't know where I'm going to get food and where are my kids going to go to school and my 401k's gone and my house is being foreclosed on and oh, my faith. Better pick my shield up. Listen to me, your faith, can I tell you something? Your faith spins like money. You want to know how I know that? That is so true. So So I'm telling you something here. When Jerry and I were going through all that stuff and we were losing everything and, and, and the enemy had, he had thrown some fiery darts. And it was on every side. And his parents were sick and they were needing stuff. and we I mean, just all kinds of things were happening. My nephew died and then my mom died. And then everything was chaos. And I was new to this word of faith. But I'm going to tell you something. Through my tears and in my baby state, I picked up my shield of faith. And I started fighting back against those fiery darts. And I'm going to tell you something. God took care of me. And when I did not have money, my faith got me what I needed. I may have been crying. I may have been afraid at times. And I was. <laughs> there ain't no maybe to it. Listen, listen, it don't matter. It don't matter if you'll pick it up and use it. If you'll pick it up and use it. But now listen, how did I, uh, you know, all of this started back at, gird yourself with the truth. Because how does our faith come? Let's look at it. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When was I building that faith? Back when I was girding myself. Back when I was getting that word into the core of me. See, I can't lift up a shield against, if I don't even know how to use the shield. If I don't even know what it looks like. I don't even know which, you know. I, I got to know what I'm, what I'm fighting with. I got to be, be familiar with my weapons. Right? And so we see here now, okay, we gird ourselves with truth. We put our belt on, okay? And when we've girded ourselves with truth, everything else is gonna flow. Everything is dependent on that first step. See, God listed that first. He, he does nothing by mistake, okay? He does nothing by mistake. So then let's look at 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. This leads us right into the next thing. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. When we're in these fights and the enemy has thrown his fiery darts, it's real easy for us to be succumb to his suggestions of, oh, see, it's not working for you oh mm, god don't love you because look what's happened to you right and so what does he do he starts attacking our thinking yeah. he waits until you're down and he's created havoc in your life and then he comes along and he starts to whisper yeah that works for pastor fine good goody goody for him but what about me <laughs> oh he talks to you like that yes he does And then somebody gets up and shares their blessing. And you're like, well, goody, goody gumdrops. I don't even have my my house is being taken away. I mean, and he'll start talking to you like that. And you'll find yourself sitting there going, well, that wooly bully for you, buddy boy. You know, and and what happens when you're like that? See, the reason you're like that is because you believe that God doesn't, he's not going to do the same good things that he did for them. And that's the enemy. That's the enemy talking to you. (laughs) What's the matter? Am I hitting close to home over here? (laughs) Amen. Okay, so the enemy will attack your mind, your thinking. That's where he attacks you. So that leads us right into verse 17. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Back to the word. Okay, so let's look at Romans twelve two. It says, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." See, I got to be prepared to prove what is that good and acceptable will of God when the enemy's telling me everything different. I've got to be able to pick up. I, I, I need this helmet in place because. When the helmet's in place and my thinking's right, and then I can pick up my shield and stand against him. True. Yeah. Amen. I got to renew my mind. I got to renew my mind. I got to be able to say, you know what, enemy, you're a liar. You're a liar. I have to know what Christ has done for me, right? See, so many times, this starts all the way back at the beginning. See, when did I renew my mind? While I was girding myself with the truth. When did I build my faith so that I could take up the shield of faith? When I was girding myself with the truth. When did I get the peace that passes all understanding? When I was girding myself with the truth. Amen? It all hinges on one thing. The word, right? The word. And not only do I need to uh, renew my mind, when I renew my mind, I'm going to know what it is that Christ has done for me. I can't just have heard it from Pastor Lisa, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Justin, Pastor Frank, Teresa, Pastor Jeannie. That's not good enough. I have to renew my own mind. I have to put on my own helmet. Your helmet doesn't fit my head. (laughs) <laughs> and my helmet doesn't fit yours. Amen. It's custom made. You got to put on your own helmet, right? I have to know what Christ has done for me. I have to know that I am a child of God, according to 2 Corinthians 6.18. You have to know that you are an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus, Romans 8.19. You need to know that there is absolutely nothing that can separate you, and this is a big one, from the love of Christ because the enemy will use that always to to try and tell you, see, Jesus doesn't love you. I have to know that no matter what I'm seeing, tribulations, height, death, spiritual none of it has separated me from the love of Christ, Romans 8, 35 through 39. I also need to know that he has delivered me from the curse of the law according to Galatians 3.13. I need to know, without a doubt, that Jesus bore all of my sicknesses and disease so that when my body gives me symptoms contrary to that, I don't lay down and accept it. 1 Peter 2.24. I need to know that I have all authority over the enemy. And no matter what he's bringing on the earth or what he's telling me he's going to bring or trying to deceive me with, I have authority over that, according to Luke 10, 19, right? Amen. And I need to know that God has already given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. So if the devil comes along and burns everything down over here, well, God's still going to take care of me. Yes. Amen. You know, Pastor Lisa shared my favorite verses. I think it was Sunday. I think it was Sunday when she was reading Uh, Matthew 6, and she was talking about, consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how they neither toil nor spin, nor gather into barns. Huh? They don't have jobs. They don't have bank accounts. (laughs) You know, they got nothing to fall back on, and yet God's taking care of them. I used that so much, church, and I'm telling you, that God cares about you and when everything dries up around you, if that should happen, which we need to stand against it. I'm not saying it will happen to you, but what I am trying to tell you is if you find yourself in that kind of position, the game is not over. That is
1: so true.
0: Nope, game's not over. Listen, your game's not over until you sit down
1: Come
0: on. and give up. Because you're guaranteed the you're guaranteed the victory. You get in there and fight anyway. I don't care what kind of illusion the devil gave you. It's just an illusion. It's Just an illusion. Your house is gone. It's okay. God will get you another one. He'll give you some place to live. Listen, Jerry and I, when we were losing our house and we were moving out, and they were foreclosing. I didn't have, we didn't have money for the down. We didn't have money to move into a place. We didn't have money for rent because he couldn't find a job anywhere. We, we had spent the money in the bank account trying to survive. I mean, there was just a whole list of things. And I just started praying, and I said, Lord, you promised you'd take care of me, and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm trusting you. Now, did I do it through tears? I did. I was crying. I was stressed. I can't <laughs> lie about it. <laughs> I was stressed out, but I was like, God, I I don't know what to do. Well, to make a long story short, we find this place, and amazingly, I, I had said to my husband, I don't want to live in some neighborhood where I'm terrified to walk out in the front yard for somebody might mug me or something, you know, or take my dog out. And I I had made this statement some time ago, you know, I'd like to live in old Estates. That's close to the church and that's a fairly decent place. And so I go in there and I find this place and I think I've been praying. I said, God, you got to lead me. We looked at all kinds of things and there was, it just, the price was wrong. The place was wrong, all kinds of things. And I'm just driving along, and I find this place where we're renting right now. Now, I look at it, and I think, um, they're probably, I don't know. Jerry's not going to like this place. I'm not. And then I'm driving home, and I call Jerry, and he says, well, call her if it's only 950 At that time, it was only $950 rent. Well, you know, you don't get a place for $950. That don't happen. No, okay, that was a two-bedroom, two-bath, you know, $950. He said, call that lady. So I call her and I tell her, hey, we're interested in looking at this place. But I'm thinking the whole time, yeah, it's only $950, but right now work is so sporadic, I don't know if we're going to have the money to live here, but at least it'll be a month. I mean, that's where my. And then I got my word out and I said, no, God's going to take care of me. See, I, I started fighting that thought. And so we move into this house. Long story short, somebody Jerry was working with uh, gives him some money and says, here, go and, you know, take care of this. And and we had money to move in. We had money for the down payment. It was miraculous uh, for the, you know, the first and last and all that stuff. And so we get into the house and I'm thinking, oh Lord. And Jerry's at work and somebody says to him, you know, Jerry, you're old enough to get the, uh, what is it, Social social security or whatever it is. And he's like, nah, I, I, no, I've been self-employed. I don't think I've paid enough into that thing. I don't know, you know, if I'm qualified for that or what. They, she said, no, no, you should go try. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. But, I mean, they take years, they take months to do anything with this stuff. I'm thinking, yeah, okay. Well, my husband goes and applies for this, and I'm telling you the truth, in a week, they had approved him. Not only had they approved him, they gave him all the back pay from when he was originally at the age to have been receiving it and it was far more than. And God not only gave us the place but he paid for it. That check pays for it every month. It doesn't even come out of our work money. It comes out of his check. Amen. That, Amen. So the government in a sense pays for our housing. Don't judge. No, I'm just not not really because we did pay into it. That's true. Uh, we are still paying into it. Yes. It's actually his money he paid in. but <clears throat> So listen. Exactly. That's, that's God taking care of you. That's him. That's, that's your faith spending like money. You can rely on it. You can rely on it. I'm here to tell you that you can. So then I need to know. I need to know. He has already given me everything that pertains to life and to godliness, according to 2 Peter 1.3. I also need to know that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. In other words, if he's promised it to me, it's mine. That's
1: right.
0: yes. Absolute and sure <clears throat> through Jesus. Listen, I need to know all of that, and so do you. You need to know all of that and so much more. And when I've built my strength here in my core with the truth, and when I have shod my feet with peace, and when I have taken up my shield of faith, and when I have put on my helmet of salvation, I am finally strong enough to wield my sword with excellence. And so the last thing that we do is we take up our sword, which is the word. It's the word. Remember, let's look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now listen, we know... Remember, y'all remember the the story in the Bible that when Jesus was led out into uh, the desert to be tempted of the devil, the way he fought, how did he fight? He fought with the word. He said over and over, It is written. It is written. I want you to notice something. It is your only weapon of offense, it's the only weapon of offense. And we're all familiar with Mark 11, 23 and 24 that we're to speak to the mountain. Just as Jesus spoke to the devil and whatever problem comes into your, your life, this is your sword, your word. You're going to pick it up and you're going to wield it. And you're going to speak to that mountain and chop it right down and move it right out of your way. Amen. Everything, notice everything else listed You've got one weapon of offense, one. But I want you to notice that everything else that was listed was also the word. Everything was the word. It's, you've only got this one weapon because it's all you need. It's all you need. It's all you need. You've got one weapon. It's the word of God. When I girded myself with the truth, it was the word. When I picked up my shield, it was the word. When I shod my feet, it was the word. When I put on the helmet, it is the word. And when I pick up the word and put it in my mouth, it is the word. Amen. What I'm trying to tell you, church, is you cannot throw your word up on the shelf and operate on just what somebody else told you.
1: Amen.
0: This has to be your truth that you know, that you know, okay? So listen to me, guys. While tonight has been a serious message, it is by no means a doom and gloom message. It is by no means a doom and gloom message. So what I'm telling you is this. You are well-equipped, church. So get up, suit up, and hold your head up because you are the best-dressed person in the room. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, that is all I have for y'all tonight. And I was worried I would not get through all of it, because look at all these pages. Look at all those
1: pages. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen, praise the Lord. Don't you just appreciate Reverend Teresa? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. You know, so, you know, I'll just close it out. So it really comes down to this, what you need to do in every situation. Everything that comes up, you need to ask yourself, what does the Word of God say? If you do not honor the Word of God, you don't care what it says. And so you're going to take someone else's word for what needs to happen or whatever's in your brain. I'm sorry, but your brain is just not that good. It's not big enough, and it's not that good to hold all the answers for what's coming against you in your life. You got a genius living on the inside of you if you're born again. It's called the Holy Spirit. And He's there to help you, but that's not automatic either. If you don't honor Him and you don't address Him and you don't pray and the Holy Spirit so he can dump some revelation down into you. So when CNN gets on the TV and says this, this, and this, what do you say? Well, number one, you probably need to turn it off. Number two, you need to say, what does the Word of God say? That needs to be your first question. Not not what did the, the experts, the big spurts, the little spurts say. What does God say? And if you don't know what God says, you go find it. You do that for everything else in your life. Women learn to cook, even if they don't want to. Men learn to do the job that they're supposed to do in order to make the money or in order to bring value to the marketplace, right? You you learn to do the things you got to do. You you learn, you will to learn. It's one thing to sit back on my couch with popcorn and strawberry milkshake and watch somebody wakeboard. It's another thing for me to get out on the lake strap my feet in that that board, throw the rope over it, learn how to position myself, feel the pull of the boat, learn how to get up, stay up, right? Hold on. Learning learning the act and the skill of it is a whole lot different than me watching it and rejoicing and celebrating over what I see someone else doing. And y'all can rejoice on what we say. But if you don't get it for yourself, you ain't getting up on that board. You're gonna keep dumping your face in the water over and over and over and over, drinking in the lake. How do I know that? I had to learn the skill and the art to make it work for me and to enjoy it. Amen? And so, what does the word say? Let's talk about COVID for a minute. Let's talk about it. What does the word say? It's coming it's coming. Here comes COVID. Omicron, Vitacron, Neutron, whatever is from the pit of hell. Do you know Psalm 91, four through five, four, you know, one through 10. Do you know it by heart? The Word of God says, I'll not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Well, that covers all of it right there. If it comes to you at the night, or if it comes during the day, it covers the whole 24-hour period because you've made Him your shelter, Him your refuge. I'll say to the Lord, He's my refuge. He's my strong tower. He's covering me with His feathers. I, I didn't have to run, look that up. I- why do I know that? Because I've read it over and over and over and over. I never memorized Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He's my refuge, He's my fortress, my God, and Him, my trust. On and on I go. Why? Because I've read it over and over until I got it in my heart. till I could pull it up out of the reservoir. I'll not be afraid. COVID comes across, all of this. I'll not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day. I'll not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. The flu, the bug, the dirty dealings going on in the Wuhan lab. Or some other lab for that matter. And the evil dealings of the people. I'll not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Something gets on you, you tell it to get off. I got Luke ten nineteen in my heart. Do you know it? Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. What is nothing? What does nothing in the Greek mean? Nothing. That's why we kept our doors open. People need the Lord. He said it wouldn't hurt us. We're not supposed to hide in a shell in our homes. We're supposed to be laying hands on the sick. How do you lay hands on the sick virtually? How do you do it? Touch the TV screen. That's not what he said. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We went into homes with people that had COVID. How can we minister to them if we're telling everybody to stay home and watch the service online? Watch what online? What do we have to give you? We have nothing to give you because we're afraid too. Listen, we're not telling you you have to come to church. You, you, do, you do what's in your heart. But we're going to stay open for people. Hebrews 10, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, as is the manner of some, even more so as the day is approaching. But as the day is approaching, here comes COVID number five, number six, number 10, number 12. But he said, keep meeting even more so as the day is approaching. Assembly means to gather, come from your place, faraway places, and come into one room, one setting. And it ain't virtual. We love people, but we hate the devil. We hate the devil, and we hate deception. So, going back to our original, gird your core with truth. Every time something hits you, you need to say... What does the Word say about that? Marriage, what does the Word say about what we're going through not, right now? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Well, he ain't, he ain't earned my respect. Yeah, and, he, and you hadn't earned his love. The Lord didn't say if they earned it. He said, do it. You love and you respect. And the feelings will follow later. Amen? God bless you we love you go home and get your bible out and eat it your body and your flesh invariably draws you to the refrigerator when it gets hungry with no effort you make your way to the refrigerator and looking for something to eat no effort you don't even hardly stop it what about when your spirit's hungry make it go to the word Every time you eat physically, think about, am I eating something spiritually? Even if it's one scripture that you look at and you put inside your heart. Amen. God bless you. Have a good night. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages, and it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button, or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.